Hi, this is Jim Lyon. You're listening to Viewpoint with me today, the amazing Kimberly Majeski. How are you today? I'm good, Jim. How are you? You know, Kimberly, we mentioned last week that you're now not just a star in the radio studio, <laughs> but not just a star in the classroom, in the graduate school, and the undergraduate programs that you teach, but now you're also a star on television. Oh, yes. The History Channel and A&E both are running a documentary on the life of Jesus, Jesus, his story. And uh, Kimberly, you're one of the voices, you're one of the talking heads. One of the talking heads. In the production. Who are you talking about? I'm going to be commenting on Mary Magdalene and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and Caiaphas and Pontius Pilate. So it's going to be interesting for sure to look at the life of Jesus through the lens of these people he had relationships with. And some were friendly to him and some were not. That's right. But you're bringing some of that real meat on the bone. They're not just Mm -hmm. names. They're real people in flesh and blood, and you're helping to bring that to life. That's right. Wow, Kimberly, so proud to know you. And this broadcast, which is, uh, again, on the History and A&E channels, cable, is on every Monday night from March 25th through Easter, which falls on April 21 in this year. We hope you'll tune in and see our very own Kimberly Majeski. Thanks for coming alongside. And one of the interesting things about documentary television is that it seeks, doesn't always, but it seeks to tell a story, the truth of the story, the context of the story. I mean, I can't vouch for every documentary on history and right. A&E, and maybe even this one may have some left turns that right. I would say, well, wait a minute. But there's something about pursuing the truth in studying history that mm-hmm. really matters. But history is important not just because of the truth, the objective truth of what has been, but it speaks into our present truth. Mm. What is truth? Truth or dare, that's an old card game I used to play when I was a kid. Fact or fiction, another turn of the English phrase, is that really a fact or is that really something you made up? Uh, Truth is much in the news these days. Is so-and-so telling the truth? That testimony before Congress, was that truthful? When the spokesman at the White House speaks, is that truthful? Mm -hmm. Is the person who's across the world in another context speaking in front of a camera, are they truthful? Is my family telling me the truth? Is my pastor telling me the truth? Is what I see on television telling me the truth? I mean, there are so many ways in which now truth is being challenged in the public square. And then you can kind of throw your hands up and say, well, what is truth? You know, Pontius Pilate in ancient time faced with Jesus and many competing voices just threw his hands up and said, well, what is truth? As if yeah. it doesn't really matter. Or maybe there is a truth, but I can never discover it. Therefore, I just have to survive. There's so much in this subject. We're here to tell you that truth does matter. And this week on Viewpoint, we're going to talk about a story, one of the most famous and, what shall we say, filled with pathos stories ever recorded, real life Long ago, but still life today. You never change. You are the God you say when I'm afraid. You come and still my beating heart. You stay the same. When hope is just a distant thought, you take my pain. And you lead me to the cross What love is this That you gave your life for me And made a way for me to know you And I confess You're always enough for me 
Kimberly, as we're marching toward the Easter season, everyone knows, I think, that there's a cross in the Easter story. People who don't know much about the gospel story or about Jesus understand the cross. Mm -hmm. That was an emblem, but also a real thing. Mm -hmm. Jesus hanging on a cross is often in art and in some traditions of the Christian family. And so we understand that that vision, that Mm -hmm. that piece, that emblem, that icon of a kind. And people who know that much probably have also heard of Peter. You know, in the English language, we talk about St. Peter at the gate and yeah. Peter with the keys and yes. things like that. Those are all kinds of extensions, fancifully sometimes, of bits of history that mm-hmm. some people know in part. But I believe that Peter was a real person, and his intersection with Jesus, who also actually walked on this earth, has some of the most instructive life lessons of any two people that have ever lived. And when we think about Peter, there are things that we might recall. There's a story of Peter walking on water. Well, he did for a few minutes anyway (laughs) until he got afraid. There's Peter who's called the rock. Uh, His name, Peter, from the Greek Petros, you know, originally Simon, and Jesus gave him this new Mm -hmm. name, Peter. He seems to be bold and brash. He's always out there at the front, and he's going to be right in line with Jesus. But we also know famously that Peter denied Jesus three times. That That's right. Peter's denial is kind of a shorthand for almost a whole biblical mm-hmm. a story, but it means that Peter lied three times. Mm-hmm. The denial of Jesus was not just denying Jesus. He told a lie three times mm-hmm. that he did not know Jesus. The story is captured in several places in the New Testament. We're going to read from Mark chapter 14. And Kimberly, give us a start, beginning with Mark chapter 14, verse 66. Meanwhile, Peter was in the courtyard below. One of the servant girls who worked for the high priest came by and noticed Peter warming himself at the fire. She looked at him closely and said, You were one of those with Jesus of Nazareth. But Peter denied it. I don't know what you're talking about, he said, and he went out into the entryway. And just then the rooster crowed. When the servant girl saw him standing there, She began telling others, this man is definitely one of them, but Peter denied it. 
And a little later, some of the other bystanders confronted Peter and said, you must be one of them because you're a Galilean. And let's pause here in this reading, Kimberly, because this is the night before the cross. Jesus is going to be murdered on a cross. He's been arrested by the authorities. It's a very terrifying time. Jesus forecast to Peter when he was very brash and bold earlier that same day that, oh, I'll never forsake you, Jesus. I'll always be in your corner. Mm -hmm. And Jesus said, be careful with that because you're going to deny me three times. And Mm -hmm. Peter couldn't believe it. But now that's what's playing out. And he's in a tight place, and now he's been accused again of being a protege of Jesus. And he's saying, no, I'm not. And look at this, verse 71, Peter swore. I mean, he is so now deep into his lie, he swore. A curse on me if I'm lying. This is what Peter's saying as he tells a lie. Mm -hmm. I don't know this man, Jesus, that you're talking about. And immediately, the rooster crowed the second time. Suddenly, Jesus' words flashed through Peter's mind. Before the rooster crows twice, you will deny three times that you even know me. And he broke down and wept. Kimberly, you and I have taken groups to the Holy Land, and we just want our listening audience to know that in January of 2020, We'll be taking another group to the Holy Land. And one of the most remarkable things about that is that these biblical stories have stages. They're real stages. They're they're real places. Mm -hmm. And one of those is the House of Caiaphas. Yes. uh, Outside the walls of of the Jerusalem walled city today. Mm -hmm. And you can go to this place where the story we just read you was brought to life. There's a place there where Caiaphas' house has been excavated. And Mm -hmm. there's some really extraordinary moments that you can have with this passage there. Come with us. You can call us on the phone or check us out online, but join us. At the end of the broadcast today, we'll give you some of those contact pieces so you can join us in the Holy Land. I promise you, it's a once in a world kind of a trip. Jim, as you read the text, that's where I went. I remember very vividly how the story came home to me standing there in the courtyard of Caiaphas' house. And they even have a little statue with the with the rooster so that you are reminded that this is where it happened. But as I think back on that, you know, Jesus at that moment is imprisoned down below in the dungeons below Caiaphas' house, and Peter's above having this <laughs> moment. And I mean, just the emotion of all of the fear, you know, he's already been angry. He wanted to protect Jesus. He was going to chop, he chopped the guy's Ear off, off in the yeah, Garden of Gethsemane. And been rebuked for that. Um, and uh, uh, it's been a hard night, let's say. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I should say. But but the wait for Peter to be confronted with the words that Jesus had said to him, told him he would deny Jesus. And then to be standing there, Jesus just, you know, however many feet below him in captivity, Peter afraid for his life, and and this is how he responds. It's just such a powerful and vivid scene from Scripture for me. And it's real life. It's Peter's story, but it's also our story, isn't it? Mm -hmm. How many times have we been tempted to tell something false because we feared what would happen if we told the truth? Mm -hmm. We feared for ourselves. Peter is is trying to survive in this tumult, in this cauldron of danger and intrigue, and he doesn't know what's going to happen next. But one part of the story that actually makes Peter heroic for me, in a way, is at the very close, because he breaks down and he weeps when he realizes what he's done. And too often we tell lies 
with such a cavalier attitude that our conscience is not pricked. We're not even moved by the the reality of our falsity. Mm-hmm. Oh, friends, listening to the radio today, never live in such a way that you are not tortured by your own lies, mm-hmm. that you don't feel the shame and the sorrow of having represented something that was not true as being so. And Peter here is somebody that I can reach out and, and just give a hug yeah. because he is so remorseful, even as he is living in the shadow of his lie. But why lie in the first place? You nailed it on the head. I think he was afraid. Mm. And isn't that the source of so much of our lying? So much of the lying in the world today, whether it be a public figure or right in our own house, why do we lie? So that we are not exposed because we're afraid if we're exposed, if the truth were known, somehow we'll suffer by it. Peter feared for his life. He probably feared for his reputation. He probably feared about whether he'd survive the night. Would he also be thrown into chains? Would he be beaten? He doesn't know what to expect. Mm Our fear of what's going to happen next sometimes tempts us and then persuades us to lie. But again, friends listening today, that can never lead you to a better place. Telling the truth is something God honors. Lying is something that God cannot honor. Peter is in a tight place and he deceives. Do you think that when he deceives that somehow it provides relief? You know, I've, mm-hmm. I've had moments where I just didn't want to answer a question. Funny when I answered it, even answered it falsely, oh, this was like a relief in a minute. Does that ever happen? In a moment, yeah. In but a moment. then but then you realize, you know, what you've done and, and you're caught by it. And I, I appreciate you saying that. Peter's in a tight spot. I mean, this is the tightest of spots. He is, I mean, I, I, his fear is palpable. And I think that we, you know, control is a response to fear. We want to control what people think. We want to control the situation. We want to control the outcomes. He doesn't know that he's going to be thrown down there in that dungeon with Jesus. And so I, I understand his response. He just wants to say, leave me alone. Don't look at me, right? Don't label me that way. But then he's cut to the heart when he realizes what he's done and uh, and what it's cost him. Sometimes I think we believe we can lie, and we're the only person who will suffer by it. In other mm. words, I'm going to be miserable for not telling the truth. I know that I should have said something different, but I'm the one who's going to bear the burden of shame myself. Right. But truth be told, you can never tell a lie without causing someone else to suffer. Mm. And in this transaction, Peter is so focused on surviving himself, and again, we can understand it, but it's still wrong. Right. He's so self-preoccupied that he's willing to protect himself at the expense of Jesus. Jesus is the one who's in jail. Mm-hmm. Jesus is the one who is going to be beaten. He's going to be ripped to shreds mm-hmm. with cruel and unusual punishment. He is going to be nailed to a cross and hung for hours until there is no life left in his body. It is Jesus who is losing everything. But for all of that suffering physically that Jesus is going to face, is it any greater his woundedness or his hurt than the realization that his friend Peter, this one who Mm. has walked with him for three Mm. years and has pledged so much fidelity, that he would betray him, that he would deny him? I mean, I think all of us understand there's real physical pain, but there's also a pain that can be even greater. And that's the sense of woundedness that comes when someone we trusted, someone we cared for, someone that we longed to be with and was Mm. our friend and partner and companion, betrays us, denies that we even knew us. You see, Peter is not calculating the cost in the moment of his lie. 
And that's also part of the devil's scheme to get us to lie. Stop before you tell an untruth and calculate who else is going to be injured. I've noticed people telling the truth under oath sometimes. And when they calculate, you know, they could be feisty and, and push back on the, yeah. on the questioning, you know, I, I understand the courtroom. I get that. They can be all strong and brash about that. But when their family's mentioned and how their mm-hmm. children are suffering by the mm-hmm. falsity of it, they start to cry. That's right. Because suddenly it comes home. My lying has actually hurt someone else That's that right. I deeply care for. Never forget that calculus when you're tempted to lie, because that is the truth. That's what's going to happen. It's interesting that you mention that, because the the guilt that probably ate at Peter's heart must have been unbelievable. You know, the Gospels, according to the Gospels, he's not even at the foot of the cross during the crucifixion. And part of that is because he's afraid, again, for his life. But imagine showing his face to Jesus as Jesus suffers, knowing that Peter himself has betrayed. There's always going to be a minute when every idle word spoken will be disclosed. Mm. There's always going to be that moment when the truth shines brightly and we will see our soiled clothes. There's always going to be that moment when we have to face someone whom we have misrepresented or betrayed or perhaps abandoned by our words. Those things are inevitable. And yes, what was it like for Peter? What's the good news in the story? Well, the good news is that for all of that, when Peter owned his stuff, Peter finds himself in the company of Jesus, redeemed because Jesus is a forgiving God. Jesus is a God who's got grace. Jesus was nailed to the cross for all of our sin, for your sin and mine, for your lies and mine, and for Peter's lies. And when Peter faces the resurrected Christ, all there can be from Jesus is love. That's right. Because Peter is humble and broken and contrite. This is the remedy always for an untruth brokenness, humility, being contrite. Oh, it's so hard sometimes. But it is the only way forward. And when you do that, you're set free. And then you can really have the spirit of the living God poured into you. Then you can really be an instrument in God's hands to make a difference for the good. Then you can be proud of who you are and not ashamed of who you are. We just think about Peter's example of this, Jim, when he's restored and sort of is forgiven for what he's done. When he's repentant, Jesus restores him. And if we look at his life, then through the pages of Acts in the early church, you know, after this encounter, after his deceit and betrayal, and then his restoration and encounter with the resurrected Christ, Peter's going to get right up and give a sermon, and 3,000 people are going to come to believe in Jesus that day. He is filled, and he is changed, and he is redeemed and set on a right course after he is forgiven for this betrayal. He has authentic confidence because now he's in the truth. That's right. And all of us could have that same authentic confidence, not false confidence, not pretend confidence, Mm. but authentic confidence when we live in the truth. What if someone betrays us? How should we respond? Well, there we go back to Jesus. Mm. In the narratives of the gospel stories of this account, there's a moment where Peter, in his shame, connects with the face of Jesus. This is before Jesus dies, and Jesus just looks at him. And I think that Jesus, in staring at him, did not reprove him, did not, did not argue with him, and did not scream out, what have you done? He just communicated to Peter 
his own sadness at the way in which he had been treated. But still Jesus was gracious and loved Peter and forgave. And so must we be to anyone who deceives us to always know that all of us need the chance for a new day. How about you listening today to Viewpoint? Where are you in life? Are you living a lie? Is there something in your life that is a shadow and you just have not disclosed? You're pretending to be someone you're not. Maybe you're actually bearing false witness, perhaps in a business arrangement or in a domestic arrangement at your house, maybe with your family or your friends, or maybe with people who live across the street that you hardly know, but you're not telling them the truth. Maybe the person to whom you're selling your house and you're not honest in the way in which you're presenting it. However it is, if there's something in you right now that's surfacing that you know is not true, wow, you can be free of that and it can be turned for the good. How so? Pray with us. Start right now with us. Pray. Take a deep breath and speak to God with us. Dear Father in heaven, we're so thankful that you know us. You know everything about us. There's not one piece of our conduct in our past or our present that you do not know. And knowing everything, you love us still. Thank you for that. We thank you for your son, Jesus, who came into this world. And we thank you for the way in which he was willing to be himself the very embodiment of truth and the truth of your love, so much so that he would allow himself, yes, allow himself, to be murdered and to take to the grave with him our sin, our lies. And we thank you, Lord, for the way in which he has raised from the dead and offered to us new life as well. And today, Lord, help us to know what it is we must confess and confess it. If there's any remedy we must make with someone we have deceived, help us to know what that is. Help us not to be afraid. Push the enemy of our souls away and let your Holy Spirit alone own us and speak to us May we surrender to him. Cause us to be born again, Lord, as we confess our sin now and admit that we need Jesus and accept his covering and go forward to a new day with a clean page. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Spirit of the living God, Spirit of the living God, we only want to hear your voice.
You may be thinking, what do you mean, there's more? Yes, there's a life. You may be in a place where you have to take some steps. Don't be afraid. You don't have to do this alone. Give us a call. Dial this number, 1-800-757-VIEW. That's 1-800-757-8439. 24 hours a day, seven days a week. A live voice will answer that phone, and a member of our Viewpoint team will hear your heart. Kimberly, I know that there are some who may be reluctant to call, but they might check us out online. Where would they go? We love hearing from you online at cbhviewpoint.org. Send us a message, and we'll get back to you straight away. Absolutely. CBH Christians Broadcasting Hope. That's who we are. We're Christians Broadcasting Hope. That's cbhviewpoint.org. Read about the ministry there. Send us an email. We will reply. Or at the last, just send me a letter. Address it to Jim Lyon, Viewpoint, Post Office Box 2420, Anderson, Indiana, 46018, USA. But whether you call us on the phone, check us out online, or use the post, please be encouraged and let us hear from you. Kimberly, truth be told, you're always good company. Thanks for coming alongside. Thanks for having me. And we're so thankful for our audience today. For each of you who have tuned in, be encouraged. No matter what you believe, no matter what you've been told, the truth will always win and you can be a truth teller. For all of us at the Viewpoint team, for all of us at Church of God Ministries, which is the host of our broadcast, this is Jim Lyon. Stay tuned.